I'm trying to spill my guts to you and look at this. You're questioning me. You're questioning the integrity of my answer, Joey. That hurts. That hurts. Fears. 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 Weather. Fears. Don't fuck with me, fellas. Um, ma'am, this is a Tuckahoe Wendy's, but uh anyway, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I am Joey Nolfi. Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And I'm Entertainment Weekly news director, Jillian Cedarholm, and I'm so excited for our fully sung through recap of the Rusical episode. Joey, I know you've been practicing your trills all night. Um, yeah, sure. If you want to call them trills, this has been, I just want to pr- say that was probably my worst bit of acting ever on the history of this podcast in those opening moments. So I hope you're proud of me, Jillian. You're the, you're the proud stage mother I've always wanted. Was that acting? All you did was say your name. This ain't my first time at the rodeo. Ma'am, ma'am, your complaints have been registered. I fought worse monsters than you for years in Hollywood. I know how to win the hard way. Now, before we get to our interviews with James Mansfield and Alexis Michelle, I'd like to inform all of you that Faye Dunaway currently has Jillianne Closet and I on our hands and knees, scrubbing Candy Muse's pink blush out of the floor, and my fingers are now currently teeny tiny, little teeny weeny, adorable little nubs. Do you think it's clean? Do you think it's clean? Yes, I do! Faye, are you aware that this is CoverGirl, True Blend, So Flushed, High Pigment Blush? <laughs> this floor is stained at least through the fame games, whatever those are. This floor is not clean! Yes, I think this floor is now also stained with both of our excellent acting. <laughs> hey, I never claimed to be here for my acting. That's, that's true. I claim to be mm-hmm. the actress of this podcast. Um, Jillian, I do think... It is time now to escape to the Rose Garden. Tina! Bring me the axe! (laughs) What? Why are you... They're circling. Why are you... My my, my house, is, my kitchen drink? is spotless. There's no food anywhere. They're still circling because they just want to survive. Do you have plants in your apartment? No, I think they smell my lip gloss. Okay, let's move on. Okay, that is all staying in just for you all. So you're all aware this podcast is currently under a, a siege from many different, um, including noise-based terrorism as well as fruit fly terrorism. I'm currently... <laughs> in a rem- <laughs> corresponding from the field in a remote location aka literally a closet like with- the smallest closet i've ever seen you're like in a crawl space <laughs> it's like you're in a vent and die hard i look like i'm in the blair witch project right now my face is so close to the screen i am trying so hard to use these coats and clothes that are dangling above my head as soundproofing. But actually, just kidding, we're ruining the fantasy. We are in Faye Dunaway's Rose Garden, um, and we are deeply involved in traumatic theater. So before we get into the Joan Crawford musical, let's begin our recap the same way episode six did, with Jimbo talking about her ongoing battle with lip sync terrorism. She opened up after losing her third consecutive lip sync on this season alone after losing others on Canada's Drag Race and also UK versus the world. She was crying. She was saying that she sort of gets frozen as soon as she's in front of Rue. And this just proves 
I think what I've been feeling about Jimbo this season is it's it's the first time we've seen Jimbo play, I think, a very different game, a much less prickly game, I, I think, than she has in the past. We're seeing a full vulnerable side of Jimbo that I think we really haven't seen before. And I really did feel for Jimbo in this moment. I mean, I know a lot of people in the fandom, uh, both capital and lowercase f, uh, have been really talking about this moment with Jimbo and how many and sort of making a joke of it that, oh, Jimbo just lost like, you know, the sixth or seventh consecutive lip sync. But I mean, it is that I, I don't think a lot of people are stopping and taking time to consider that like, oh, yeah, you know what? That is the bread and butter of at least the, you know, version of drag that we see on Drag Race. So it must be really hard for someone like Jimbo, who's doing so well to sort of choke on something that on the biggest drag stage in the world and sort of choke under that pressure. So do we now feel bad <laughs> for making light of this last week? I don't know. I guess I appreciate the self-awareness. Um, yeah. I don't think I was moved to tears over Jimbo's tears on it because she's still just like dominating the competition and doing so well at everything else. Um, I don't know. And I just, I do feel like she's blaming it on this like stage fright in front of RuPaul, which wasn't the case for Canada versus the world. So I don't know what the <laughs> stage fright in front of Brooke Lynn Heights. Um, <laughs> Thank you for pausing appropriately. Yes. Thank you for pausing appropriately. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I just, I don't, I can't believe. I really, I really need to go to a Jimbo show. I need to see what it is she is doing in front of her live audience because I, I struggle to to believe that she can't. I don't know that she's like that scared under pressure, or I don't know what it is. If she's like holding back she because she be. wants to be more of a no. like prepared, like prepare like a full on. I, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I don't know. I think she has to be. I think that Jimbo's not somebody who clearly we don't see Jimbo getting easily nervous about things. So I think there has to be something about maybe it's just the fact that it's she's getting in her head and knowing that she has sort of lost so many lip syncs and that's sort of weighing on her and it is getting to her as a sort of, you know, one weak point that she's having. So I totally understand where she's coming from with that because I am, you know, momentarily struggling with acting right now on this podcast and it usually never happens. But I do think it is diff it's interesting to see the different side of Jimbo because there's so many alliances and, you know, things going on in contention and none of it seems to be coming from Jimbo this season, which is actually really surprising. I mean, currently Heidi and Kahana are going at it on Twitter as we are recording this. And it's just Jimbo seems to be involved in none of this drama, which is, you know, pretty different from the past two seasons that Jimbo has been on. So it's, it's definitely a different game for Jimbo this time around. Yeah, for sure. And we should, speaking of, of Heidi and Kahana, we should also note that as devastating as Heidi quitting this last week was, there was surprisingly little carryover this episode. We had this yeah. bombshell tea that Heidi spilled about Candy allegedly saying that she was trying to vote Jimbo out in an off-camera conversation and also that also involved Alexis. They're all still in the competition now in this episode, but the very beginning – all we get was a mention that Heidi left 
and Candy saying she hopes Heidi didn't plant seeds in anyone's heads for the rest of the competition, but also said that she would vote for the strongest. So it was kind of like <laughs> negating. Um, and then they just kind of pretended like it didn't happen for the rest of it the was episode. So weird. So and Jimbo didn't so say a weird. word there, and I was wondering, is this no. a you know strategic game? Because this is the moment to say like, okay, but really. Now that Heidi's gone, like, is there something you want to say? It was so weird. I was just, because you know that everybody tuning in was thinking the same thing. They were all thinking, okay, now we're going to get the other side of this and they're going to break this down in the workroom like they usually do every episode after something major happens. And they talk about it for five seconds and then it's literally never brought up ever again. So, you know, judging by the preview for next week, which looks to be extremely dramatic and has somebody else. It appears that somebody else is pacing back and forth in the workroom and is packing their bags as somebody observes in the preview. Um, I just don't understand how this can be something that we just shut the door almost as fast as we opened it and just never touch it again. It doesn't seem like it's consistent with the history of this show and how certain dramatic things play out over multiple episodes. It's like they're either editing all discussions of this completely out of the show or it really did end that uh, that abruptly when Heidi left and people were sort of avoiding a clash with Candy and Alexis over this. Yeah. So maybe that was strategy on their part. Maybe they just felt that Candy really did have that much sway over the competition and they really were trying not to to get in her way. <laughs> Candy, the godfather muse, just back there <laughs> plotting and telling people do not even dare to speak. <laughs> I mean, they literally dedicated as much time to Candy saying she doesn't like Jessica hopping over the couch in a certain way as they did to the to the Heidi thing. And then like also left yeah. that without any <laughs> was waiting for someone to say why? Like, what is like what what is Jessica jumping? And they also just left that plot <laughs> dangling. I, there's a lot of plots left dangling, but I did like that you just made an Italian reference on this recorded public line Jillian. I, Sammy, we need a applause sound effect there and then also like an Italian mandolin. Like That's an Italian mandolin. <laughs> yes, it is. Coming from straight from the mouth of a very Italian person such as myself. Um, we <laughs> Other things that we focused on in the workroom was this... <laughs> Well, at least that I focused on was this workroom makeover to include these stunningly hilarious portraits of Joan Crawford and Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford in place of RuPaul's portraits on the walls. Uh, Ru then introduced the challenge as Joan, the unauthorized Rusical, and Ru surprised the gals by telling them that they'd be working with the director of Hairspray. And it was so funny to see Alexis's face light up when Rue said the director of Hairspray, but then just watch it crumble off of her face when Rue was like, as well as the director of Rock of Ages. Because you know Alexis thought that this was John Waters when she heard the director of Hairspray. I think you're, con- I think actually- you're confusing me and Alexis. Uh, maybe so, maybe so. We do know you are a big John Waters fan, but it was, the director actually just turned out to be Adam Shankman, who was... Jillian, also much to your joy, uh, was originally supposed to be the director of Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, and I'm surprised that none of these queens asked him about it. But anyway, 
Um, the Rusical would be we, it was also announced that the Rusical would be highlighting periods throughout Joan Crawford's life and the role selection actually went pretty well I think uh, pretty much everybody was taking the roles that they wanted until Candy and Jessica clashed over wanting the same role and they then held one of our favorite competitions within a competition a game within a game if you will they held auditions and Candy won Yes, I loved that they had this audition, and I loved that Candy tried the I Have No Second Choice play, and Alexis immediately was yeah. like, no. was like, nope. So she wasn't, yeah, I mean, mm, so she wasn't scared, quote unquote, out. scared of Candy to do that. Um, but I really like when I, they, yeah, I like yeah. when they have an audition to do it, even though, I mean, I felt Me bad. Because, I mean, it was, like, that's also really hard to, like, have to do the, like, actual song in the moment versus just auditioning acting off a script but um i thought that was a lot more fun i think that alexis looked excited the whole time hearing the other credits because i think that i I mean john waters is one of my like top five idols but for alexis like who's who's gonna help her out more in her career someone that's about to retire with one last movie or someone that's actively directing a bunch of musicals I think that I think that Alexis was probably more excited for Adam Shankman. Did you just direct praise at someone potentially involved in Hocus Pocus 2? Well, now that I know he dropped out, I'm fully on board for this this man and his taste. <laughs> but you don't but let me just get you on the record talking about his many golden chains that he was wearing as the queens did their choreography because as you and james mansfield and lucy laduca like to do they like to read people who are interviewing them for wearing chains <laughs> have i ever read someone interviewing me for wearing chains no is that the question That's have i have i ever seen a, a friend wearing <laughs> seven chains for for no reason and read them yes that they got in like a a a pack together on amazon yes (laughs) wait not my not not my boss at my place of work shaming me for not being able to afford chains not you expensing those as your wardrobe budget (laughs) <laughs> no these unfounded accusations i did not just let it be known corporate i did not expense <laughs> chains as part of my my wardrobe let's move oh. on to the main stage the, <laughs> the queens performed a whirlwind biographical musical about joan crawford's life not joan rivers unfortunately from her studio as days Jillian thought last yes, week from her studio days through to her relationship with her adopted daughter christina crawford which was reportedly abusive, but the Rusical seemed more like an homage to the 1981 movie Mommy Dearest than actually just being inspired by Joan's real life. Um, Joey, I know you are not quite a musical theater lover. How did you feel about this Rusical as a whole and the performances? I mean, it takes something like being themed to Madonna to get me excited about a rusical i just there's something about the rusical challenge that it does not excite me the same way it excites other people i say it every single time we're talking about a rusical episode on a recorded podcast it doesn't excite me i don't hate it but it just is not fun it's not exciting for me but i do think that this one was one of the more entertaining ones in recent seasons i 
just because I think when it's tied to an actual celebrity or something that I am actually interested in, such as the movie Mommy Dearest that I know very well, um, it was fun for me. And I do think that some of the songs were really, really fun as well. Like Candy's and Jessica's were super fun. I actually thought that everybody did a really good job in this. I don't think anybody did a bad job. Um, Even the queens who landed in the bottom. I don't think James and Kahana did poorly at all. I think Michelle Visage described it best as it was just separating the A pluses from the A minuses. But I do want to say there is something that struck me as odd is that we all know that this is all a self-serving empire. It is a, it's merchandise. It is tours. It is the drag race live in Vegas. It's the show. It's the international spinoff. So they're making these Queens into, you know, little brand ambassadors essentially for, and Kahana is someone who is involved in the drag race live show. So I thought it was very curious and very strange that the show would put somebody who is essentially selling tickets for them or that they are asking people to pay tickets to go see on the Vegas show to put that queen in the bottom on a rusical challenge that was saw her doing exactly what she does very well on the Las Vegas stage. It just, it felt very weird to me. Um, Cause I don't think she did a bad job. Yeah, That's a really good point. And also not just to put her in the bottom, but to blame it kind of entirely on the stage presence or just about like how yeah. she was in the risical, which I didn't totally agree with. And I think they could have, I don't know if she just was the bottom that week. I think they could have used a better excuse of just, I don't know, like you made it to showgirl still, or maybe the look wasn't as spot on of what we were looking for or something. But that's a, that is a good point. And I have seen Kahana in the live Las Vegas live and she was great. And I also did think she was perfectly fine in this. I think what, um, what cost them both the bottom is, um, those were the only two queens that did not show up it to rehearsal in heels, as Adam Shankman mm. pointed out, and that was their downfall. Maybe, I um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I had kind of an opposite feeling of, okay, so Drag Race accidentally posted the musical on Spotify the week before the episode oh, was yes, out. Yes, they did. And, I, and the <laughs> night that they did it, I listened to it, and I was like, oh my god, there are a couple of songs here that I'm obsessed with. Like Candy was already the winner in my head because I loved the song so much. And I think that's what's really hard about the musicals actually is like, if a song is really like a bop to you, then I mean, it might not really be the Queens. Like, you know, they didn't write it. They're not writing verses in this, but you just get lucky or you have a song that maybe isn't as great. And then it's like, on, it's seemingly on you um, or I think it's just like you know you just are associating that queen doing whatever it is with how much you like or dislike the song possibly when it's out of their control um, so I think like first off it's like really smart that Candy fought to have this song because it's just such a great song um, and Jessica's song I love too and I loved La La Ree's song and then when I saw so I was so hyped for the musical that I think then when I actually saw it in production I was a little let down by um and I, I don't really know why there was just something that didn't excite me as much when i saw it like if you said okay you could go see a stage performance of this musical would you like it wouldn't be one of my top picks whereas like wig loose i am like let me like fund this production immediately i want to see this on broadway oh, I we love know it. 
We um, know. So, I mean, that, and that's the thing. And so when I'm saying this about like the song, like the Alexis, like Alexis looked like the best, like most like Joan makeup wise. She, yeah, I, think, I, think, I think did so too. a great job. I just really did not like that song. Like nothing about her voice on the song. I just like, I'm not a country person and just like so yeah of a country song. Yeah, that's like one of those things where it's like, it's not, it, it, that's, I think sometimes of what I have the issue with the musical is that it's, it's very little about outside of the dancing and the lip syncing, which we know they can all do very little of it is based on, you know, it, or, or not based on, but a lot of it can be influenced by just the song that they get. Yeah. And I agree. I thought that Alexis looked the most like Joan. I thought that this challenge was almost tailor made for her and I thought she did really well. She seemed very excited about it. But then the when I heard the song, I was just like, "Oh, this is this is not suiting the kind of thing that I know Alexis wants to bring to this and could bring to this if she had a more sort of showgirly song cuz when Alexis Michelle's going on the road, she's not performing a country version of Joan Crawford. She's performing like a big band showgirl jazz kind of Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. And uh, this just was all wrong for her, Um, even though I think she did the best with it with what she could. But Candy's, on the other hand, I do think was just a perfect blend of everything that makes Candy so good. And I think she had a great song. So it was just everything working in Candy's favor, too. So um, and Candy took it and ran with it. So I, I just thought that it was, yes, their individual performances I don't think anybody did bad, but I think that's my, maybe why I just don't get too excited about the musicals because so much of it depends on what was crafted for them instead of them actually crafting it for themselves. Yeah, I mean, to me, honestly, I think the weakest performer was probably Jimbo, although not to, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I mean the shady or not. Her background acting was so much better than when it was like spotlight on her <laughs> acting. Like her we her dancing in the wheelchair was better. Like she was like really like face acting and hand acting the whole time. And when they first wheeled her out, I was like, oh God, this is what they chose <laughs> to do because she couldn't get the steps. And then I was like, actually, I think she probably would have put on a really funny performance if she had just stayed in the wheelchair the, fo- the whole time. The wheelchair, maybe. And because she would have yeah. leaned into like acting more or doing something something silly and like real the comedy camp which i think it needed um yeah i don't know i thought that jimbo was i thought jimbo was good i thought like i said i thought that they were all good um there truly was not one person that i was looking at here thinking like oh that person did a bad job um i don't even think i think even knowing who they put in the bottom you can still watch those performances and be like what even though now i know they're in the bottom you kind of then tend to look for things. You go back and you watch and you look for things that they did. And I really can't find anything that either one of them did yeah. that justifies them being in the bottom. If anything, this episode should have been the, you know, nobody goes home episode, I think. Well, it was also kind of awkward that James had a, like basically a scene partner the whole time with the, this dancer playing Christina. Yeah, I remember you and I both had the same reaction in the moment i remember thinking like my my we both had the exact same note at this moment we were like who is this woman <laughs> Wendy Williams voice who is this woman um this yeah woman? so that was i don't know that was like a little strange because candy's also involved the daughter but she only got to dance with a hanger and you know dancers yeah. in the background not alongside her I mean, we do should point out that like m- m- a lot of the time they do have the backup dancers who are like usually cis men 
who are the backup dancers and we're used to seeing them but i think it was just the fact that this was they pulled they made they built it up as if it was like a cameo or something and they pulled this woman out from behind this curtain and like zoomed in on her face that's why i was like wait a minute they seem to be focusing on her more so than you know the male backup dancers so there has to be some sort of significance. Yeah, I really thought it was Um, someone we were supposed to know at first, like the Rusical that had Leslie Jordan and um, not Channing Tatum. It's like Cheyenne Jackson. Um, So I thought it was like that. And I was like looking, Uh but I was like, I'm not recognizing. Yeah. Well, they threw us off with this woman. An EW investigation. Um, It might have been Allie X. (laughs) Lock, lock because she does all, free all of dogs. the background vocals. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We should go to the runway um, because the queens did "Night of a Thousand Grace Joneses," which I thought was a really exciting thought at the start of the runway. Um, but yeah. the judges eventually read James for the ill-fitting look of her garment, which she does address in our interview coming up. So you should definitely stay tuned for that. Um, and James ultimately landed in the bottom with Kana, who made her third appearance in the bottom. And James appeared to be pretty confident that since the group had unanimously voted for Kahana in what turned out to be last week's non-elimination episode, James assumed that she would be safe. But it's revealed that all of the queens, including Candy, who won I, what I thought was an incredible lip sync on Candy's part yes. against uh, the always lovely and hilarious Angeria Paris Van Michaels, uh, that everybody had unanimously voted for James. So it was Candy and everybody else. The only person who did not vote for James was James. So I, I, do we think that the right person went home? And I mean, I have some thoughts, but what do you think of the fact that every single person shifted from Kahana to James, who seemingly had no drama with anybody in the workroom, and she played a relatively low-key game this entire season. So something had to have happened with James and the other people to make them all vote for her, right? Because it just it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make sense if they're all going based on track record. Yeah, it was kind of shocking when I found out that everyone had voted that way. Candy voting that way. I was like, okay, smart yeah. move. Um, I guess. I don't know, because I would also be worried about Kana if you're voting out your biggest competition. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really interesting. And now I'm like, are, is every single person in here in an alliance together, except for James? Like, that's not going to work out very well in the future, but right. it's, I mean, yeah, I think it is like, I don't know, some kind of like mastermind that is being like, okay, this is how everyone's voting today. That's the only excuse for it is if that's happening. Yeah, there was no, I mean, yeah, everybody just seemed to sort of turn and go the opposite direction from what they were moving in last week. And I mean, I think James even made, and I'm not necessarily saying that I think Kahana should have gone home. I actually think that Mm -hmm. if you asked me whose performance I liked better in uh, the Rusical, I think I probably would have actually said I liked Kahana's better. But just track um, record but, wise. But track record wise, they it, seem yeah. to, right, right. They, they, because the group seems to be saying, at least on camera, that they're going based on track record, but then they all voted James out. So it was surprising. And I think it does, you know, I think that James is one of those examples of somebody who just because you go out first, 
it, it just proves that your worth is not defined by what happens on this show. And James has gone on to do such amazing things and has built up such a great following on social media and is just such a delight to see. I think she's so funny and I'm so glad that she made it this far because, you know, I think what was her exit line? She was like, well, I did better than last yeah. time. And she really did. I think going from like 13th or 14th to seventh place. I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty big jump. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I'm happy for James. And I think that James is a really great actress as the, we always reference the bitch who stole Christmas, even though Kelly Mantle is also equally amazing. In that and that and pork chop <laughs> and pork chop who we did an interview with after that film, which you can read on EW.com. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that we need to see, I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe the drama that's coming next week starts with everybody. And well, I guess they're not gonna be fighting because James won't be there. So no one will be there to be upset, but I hope that there is some kind of explanation of, of how it ended Me up too. as a unanimous vote. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if I was and necessarily, it's not that I was shocked that it was James. I was just shocked. I was shocked that it was unanimous, no matter, I, I mean, cause right. like having just come off of a unanimous Kahana vote, if it was unanimous again for her, but no matter who else the other person was, like suddenly this full group pivot Shift. is, is yeah. interesting. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. We need to make clear that it's just, it's not necessarily the people who involved. It is the pure math of it all yeah. and the track record of it all. Because we didn't is, see like some, like Kana didn't have a, a massive breakdown and untucked the way that we've seen right. other people to, you know, like really yeah. get the sympathy vote or I don't know, make a, maybe they felt that James was just being too cocky. I mean, I don't, I don't think she came off maybe. that cocky like on the show but i mean she was she did either, at least seem yeah. confident that it was probably not going to go that way and i think she was probably surprised to see that it was unanimous yeah. um i don't know maybe that and but no i don't think she was coming off as i mean on the show at least coming off as like well i'm not going yeah so i i really don't know it was very interesting and everybody who is listening to this and is thinking to themselves oh well why didn't you just ask james in your interview coming up um you should all know that these interviews take place prior to the episodes airing so we did not know that information so just putting we it didn't know there. the how the group um, how the group voted how the group who, voted yeah, correct yes. correct um those yes we did not know how the group voted um all right. Well, I just also I want to end the little recap by also just shouting out. Uh, I mean, Candy, I think, gave one of the top lip syncs of the season. Yeah. I think that that lip sync was so, so good. She um, was wearing that little black leotard that she wore on her season. And yeah, I thought I thought she was great. And I, I consider Candy one of the sexiest queens, like when she really like goes full on like a really lingerie is, yeah. look. And I just I love just like the mm -hmm. when you see her out of drag and the difference, like that's always in my head. And I just like, yeah, I think she can just like turn that on so well in a performance like that and really I mean, even like her yeah. lip sync performance, the difference between that and what she gave us in the rusical. Like she just really is very versatile in the like the performance she, she's giving. So I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. No, nope. agree. One last thing. Have agree. you ever. And also shout out to Angeria. Oh, I was just. Oh, okay. We're interrupting my shout out no. to Angeria. I guess Jillian doesn't want to give a shout out to Angeria for doing a good job too. Great job, Angie. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Check. I was just thinking about the runway and you know how, like, I mean, rusical, we call it the rusical. Why don't they call it? 
Why don't they call it the Rune Way? <laughs> this coming from someone who still doesn't understand the fame game. No so we are not going. We are not going. But, to okay, take that okay. Advice. Actually, that's a great point. Why? Did, why isn't there the word Rue inserted somehow in the fame games? Because Jillian, you have now ruined all of my interest in the fame games. So well, you are to blame. Seeing some of the looks is what ruined it for me. Coming up, you don't want to miss an epic interview with Alexis Michelle because we're talking secret alliances, why everyone voted for James, the tea on her conversation with Heidi and her crying that deserves an Oscar, just like Joan Crawford. So stay tuned. You definitely do not want to miss this exclusive interview coming up. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Thank you all for clawing your way out of the Rose Garden to join us back here on EW's Quick Drag Podcast, where I have a very special guest. This is absolutely not her first time at the rodeo, and I am absolutely one of her fans. Here to discuss Joan the Rusical and all things All-Stars 8, please welcome to the show the always fabulous Alexis Michelle. Hey, Alexis, how are you? Joey, I should have known you'd know where to find the boys and the booze. (laughs) Always with the references. I love it so much. Alexis, thank you for joining me. This is a long overdue conversation. There is so much that I want to talk to you about with All Stars. I know we have a lot to talk about. I know we definitely do. There's been a lot of developments we can say in the past few weeks. Um, And I want to start, though, with the Rusical, which is always a fan favorite challenge every single season. It always makes headlines. And this is one of those. It's one of those Drag Race episodes this season where I think you can look at it and see that absolutely nobody did a bad job. I mean, I think you all did so incredibly well. I mean, you even managed to make a country song about Joan Crawford feel very fabulous. Um, But in a rare turn of events for a rusical, it appeared that no one fought over their roles outside of Candy and Jessica auditioning. Um, I, I know you were super excited about this challenge. So did you actively like want the country role? You just ended up with the role that you wanted? No, I did not want that role. Um, I saw it as I what I said, you know, what 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 I said was true was like, okay, nobody wants this because it's hard. It's fast. It's probably gonna have some footy choreography. Um so nobody was really interested in it. And of course, the sort of like the the opposites of like Joan taking no prisoners, but also like this kind of country hoedown number, it's a juxtaposition. So it makes it more challenging. But, you know, like I said, I did see it as an opportunity, but it wasn't my first choice. Um, just, you know, in the interest of time, I don't think we got to see the entire casting process, but um uh, I was also particularly 
fond of Jessica's uh, track, and I didn't um, I didn't want Jessica to be overwhelmed with the busy lyrics of um, a country one. So I did did my sister solid and stepped over and took that one. So there was no sort of contention over that. You sort of just conceded and and let her take the other one. It started with an audition. Um, which oh, there was another audition. It, there was a clear outcome, but um, I still just, I wasn't going to do that to Jess. Jess. Jess and I were really, really close during the filming of this season. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, she was like someone I always had an eye out for. So I wanted to make sure she felt set up for success. And um, I knew, you know, she felt comfortable doing the one that she would do. And I knew she'd crush it. Like she's such yeah. a talent. So I was happy to, to do that. And, and like I said, take on the challenge of, of the rodeo. Yeah. So this was, this was like American Idol all-stars eight edition. You were all auditioning for these roles. That, you know, the, there's, this is one hour of television. You can only squeeze so much in. So that, you know, there was, there's a, there's always more. There's always yeah. more. But um, but you're getting the essence of it, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you were all filming so many hours in a day, and it, like you said, it has to fit into sixty minutes. So um, that's just interesting to know that you were also auditioning. Um, but I I do want to talk about the actual performance itself because, like I was telling you a little bit before we started recording, I thought you just you made a country song about Joan just so wonderful and infectious and the way that you tackled these lyrics was just it was so good um but after the episode did, premiered you you tweeted i think they're fucking with me fellas which is a famous well, reference to one of the quotes in mommy dearest so i just want to know like did you were you talking about the audition process with that no no definitely not i think i was for sure talking about judging um I, first of all, yeah, props to Leland. I think, like I said, I think this is the best new musical. And um, I thought that the material was great. And even on this one, which was such a challenge, um, it was so clever and so, so cute. So it was a, a privilege to get to do Leland's work and to get to do it alongside everybody who, like you said, delivered. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I just thought I remember on the day I was super duper nervous because mm-hmm. I mean, the first hard part with this track I had to get through was recording it because it was super duper wordy. Um, and once that was done, I was like, OK, well, at least I don't have to worry about making the vocal live. I just have to lip sync it actively while yeah. I'm doing some real busy footwork. So I was super nervous on the day. It took all of my focus. Um, and and it was important to me to still have fun because I could tell what we were working on was a really great challenge. And everybody was enjoying it, but we we gave it our, our focus. We really wanted to, to show up for ourselves and show up for Adam because Adam was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. This was, for me, this was kind of the creative experience of the season as far as being a performer getting to work with adam um it was such a gift so we really wanted to give it our all because adam really showed up for us and supported us and 
worked so hard in a short period of time to make sure that we were going to look incredible. And I thought the result was amazing. Um, But, um, but yeah, I just thought on the day I remember definitely feeling a sense of relief, but also feeling like I knew, I knew it could go either way. I was like, well, you probably, if you choke and you fuck up the choreography, then you might be in the bottom. But if you excel at this, this could be a win. And um, I felt particularly gorge and confident in my Grace Jones runway, which my um, incredible designer friends, Art to Fashion on Instagram. Oh, you look so good in that. Yeah. And um, Candy Trip, uh, John Baird um, made the hat, but uh, Thomas Ogden made the made the look and then the gloves are wing and weft. But yeah, I just felt super confident in the runway and I felt like I nailed the show. So I definitely think not being in the top um, if not a win was a little suspicious to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, just in terms of pure looks, I think that this was, I really was also anticipating. I, I mean, I think Candy did a lovely job. I I think I was anticipating just before I even saw any of the performance that, yeah, okay, Alexis Michelle has this one in the bag because, and then when you stepped out onto the stage and I think that your look was the most Joan look. I think you really looked like her because this is this is your wheelhouse. You know, we know what your artistry is. This is in your wheelhouse. So I was really excited to see you in this challenge. Um, and so how did you feel about your actual performance in the challenge? Like, w- w- were you sort of able to gauge the judges' faces while you were performing? And did that sort of give you an indication as to what way it was going to go for you? I could tell it went well. I, I always know. I don't need to see an audience response to know if I did well. Although in in the nature of a lot of the live performing I do, like in cabaret venues, the audience is um, an undeniably inextricable part of the experience. So that that's different. But in a in a situation like this, where it's more of a proscenium style presentation, um, you know, I could tell that it went well, but I could also see the judges eating it up. So I knew it was going well. Um, and I just want to say, Joey, because me saying, oh, I should have been in the top or I should have won, that uh, I stand by and 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 can be true, while at the same time saying Candy nailed it and deserved yeah. the win. I think mm-hmm. on All Stars especially and with this group and the way this group has been showing up week after week, um, I think it's important and I think people lose sight of the fact that multiple things can be true at the same time and you can say you are my favorite wanted you to win you should have won you can say all that and that's fine without undercutting or saying anything negative about anybody else so i just want to like give props to candy and there were and there were many of us that could have won this challenge lala could have won this challenge jessica could have won this challenge honestly Anybody for any particular reason might have won this challenge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't take anything from Candy's win or my appreciation of how she delivered on the day to say like, yeah, I think I should have won. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the fans definitely need to hear that. And I think it's like, you know, we all know this because we've been, you know, I've been covering this for so long and you've been in this game and it's just like uh, it's it's easy for us to accept that. But I think the fans definitely need to hear things like that because this group 
and I've been saying this ever since the very first episode that this group is like one of the strongest in terms of performance wise collectively that I think we've seen in a long time on this show. So it is, I think one of the judges, I believe it was Michelle said that it's like splitting hairs between the A pluses and the A minuses this episode. Um, yeah. and, and little teeny tiny things come into play like that. But I just, I do think that everybody did such a great job, but you were then sort of, I guess, when the judges announced that you were safe, were you surprised that you, that you didn't win? Like what was going through your mind at that, at that, at that like point? I said, it was a combo of relief and surprise. And I will say I was probably more when we filmed it, I was more on the side of relief surprise than having watched it back now, as we've all seen it. And mm-hmm. now I'd say I'm a little more in the disappointment. Yeah. Um, of it because I do think I delivered in a pretty strong way. Um, Mm. And it's not the first time that I've delivered in a strong way and I've been safe this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's been happening with with a few. I mean, especially, I mean, Heidi at the beginning of this season too. I think there was a few times when Heidi did really well and was, you know, also safe. Um, well, as we saw when she first threatened to <laughs> to quit, um, she was, you know, displeased that she was not in the top. So I just think it's a it's a really strong group. And I think that that's an important thing just to remember about Heidi's dramatic departure. You know, there there things came to a head emotionally for her on the day that she decided to leave, but there was growing um, discomfort with how things were going for yeah. her. And it wasn't, it wasn't hatched out of nowhere, you know, the mm-hmm. idea to leave. And, um, and yeah, it's just really tough when everybody is showing up and showing out. Yeah. No, I imagine, I imagine it's a very tough dynamic and I do want to get uh, to touch on that in a little bit, but I do want to talk about, I want to finish this episode uh, because we get to the end and it's it's James and Kahana in the bottom. And I, I don't mean this personally toward either of them, but given just given track record and the way that the game is usually played, I thought in my head for sure that since everyone had just voted for Kahana to leave the week prior, it was unanimous that they would do the same this week just because she had more bottom appearances than James and not saying again that she deserved to go or anything. But it appears that everybody did not vote based on track record this week, including you. I mean, you also voted for James to leave and Candy, who won the lip sync, voted for James to leave. Um, So can you explain in your estimation why everybody unanimously voted for James? Like, did you all discuss this or was there something else going on? There was discussion. There was there's I have to tell you, for whatever you get to see or didn't get to see every week, there is a lot of care, a lot of consideration, yeah. and a lot of thought that that we all had to put into our ultimate decision, which, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd talk with each other, we'd compare notes, but ultimately each one of us had to make a decision. And I think having seen the episode air now, I see what happened and I see why people, a lot of fans are surprised or confused about the way the way we voted why do you think that is so two two things um when we were working on the rusical you know when you're staging a proscenium style show the whoever's doing their number at the time is facing out so you're not seeing what they're giving facially necessarily Uh And I will say, you know, James said in the episode that picking up choreo is not their strong suit. And 
And even though the staging was minimal, it was still challenging for her at times during the rehearsal process. Um, but I think that where she got it to and the kind of um, for the camera facial performance that she gave, we really didn't see that very well. Mm-hmm. And so because it was kind of a more subtle track movement-wise and tempo-wise, it maybe didn't stand out to us. But having seen it, I was really impressed with James's um, James's number in the show. Um, and then, so I do think that there was something lost on just where we were positioned for okay. rehearsals and performance. Yeah. Um, but also... And this week was no exception. The way that Kahana has delivered on the runway every single time yeah. is, to me, and I think in many Drag Race supporters' estimation, makes her fierce, you know, a fierce addition to the competition and also makes her a big competition. So you might have said, oh, well, let's eliminate her because she's a threat or let's eliminate James because she's a threat. But I don't think that's what was at play. I think we couldn't see how dynamic James's performance was from behind her. And if you looked at their two Grace Jones looks, for me, there wasn't really a comparison in the polish and finish of them. I loved the inspiration of James's look, but to me, um, and I think to the judges of as well, it was a little rough around the edges, and Kahana looked like she was ready to step onto the Vegas or the Broadway stage in a, a yeah. gorgeous Grace Jones-inspired showgirl costume. So mm-hmm. I think between the high level of Kahana's runways every week, um, as well as her efforts in this challenge, you know, th- it was splitting hairs to find who were the weak links in this one, but she did not fall flat on her face by any means. And she had a rather challenging dance number. Yeah. So I think we took all of that into account. And I think what is surprising people the most is James did have this really impactful for the camera ready performance. And I think some of that was lost on us in real time. Yeah. Just from pure positioning, I, I yeah no, I totally understand that. Um, I, I just think that there's a lot of people that were thinking because Kahana said at Roscoe's that there was like many secret alliances going on. Like, and Mrs. Kasha Davis actually told me this in her exit interview too that she suspected that James was a secret alliance member. Uh, Kahana said that you and Candy were in a secret alliance. I mean, Heidi told me on this podcast last week that you were an honorary member of her alliance with Jimbo and Candy. So what were Like what I'm just thinking that people think that maybe James was or fans at least think that maybe James was involved in some alliancery that was going on. So what was going on with all of that? If James was in an alliance, I didn't know. We didn't get into that. We didn't make one ourselves. There were times in other moments when we said to each other, like, I've got you like in our in our uh, in our team challenge with Darian. Um, I, it pained me to do it, but I thought that the group would vote Darian out rather than James. And 
And James and I had a little aside to one another. And I was like, all right, I got you, girl. It was like a season nine, like, got you, girl moment. Uh-huh. Um, but um, if James was in an alliance, I didn't know it. And just to clear the air about any that I may or may not be or have been in, um, I did propose making an alliance with Heidi Candy and Jimbo right at the start of the season. Interesting. Not only, you know, they sort of addressed it in their own way, but nobody ever (laughs) addressed it on camera in the way that they addressed theirs. (laughs) Um, And to be honest, I didn't know um, that that had been addressed so transparently on camera until I'm watching it now. So I didn't really realize that they had sort of like gone forward with the three of them. And I didn't necessarily feel officially included in that. So I don't know what was in anybody else's mind, but no one had, um, no one had sort of confirmed with me. Yes, we've got each other. So, so I was saying before, sorry, I don't want you to lose the thought that you had, but I just want to confirm just factually. So you're saying that we saw in the first episode before Heidi, Candy and Jimbo discussed the alliance, you proposed being in an alliance with all of them. I don't remember if it was ahead of, because you say that happened on the first episode. Yeah, first episode, I think. So technically... Technically, I'm not sure that my proposal to them came before that. My proposal may have come to them right after that. But again, I didn't, I wasn't near enough in earshot to hear them say, you know, the plan that they made on camera. So when I came to them, they may have already had that established and I just didn't know about it. Okay, so do you agree with Heidi's assessment that you were the honorary member then? Because she kept saying that in our interview last week, that you were the honorary member. Um, That's the part I don't know about because I don't feel like any of them ever really solidified it with me. Okay, all right. So I had said it, and I still saw them all as frontrunners, but I didn't feel like any of them said to me, like, we got your back, sis. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So I do want to also clear up some of the stuff that happened two weeks ago with Candy and Heidi in the workroom with Heidi asking you to sort of corroborate the conversation. Like, why do you think that Heidi asked you in the workroom to corroborate that information? Well, so I I recently had a couple chats online with Heidi just yeah. to sort of clear the air because we are good. We are friends. Uh-huh. Um, as far as I know, I'm good with all my sisters. Um, from this season. I don't think there's an issue with anybody, but we just wanted to publicly clear the air because even though we are good, like people still like to get hung up on stuff. So um, the reason Heidi brought me into the conversation then, and she had to remind me last week because I didn't remember, (laughs) um, (laughs) was that apparently the discussion that happened between her and Candy happened in in a space on set that was large enough for me to stand at the sort of doorway of this space okay uh, but not be fully in the room and heidi said that i was present in the doorway that i heard even if it was from across the room that i heard it and sort of like she said it registered on my face and then i walked away and didn't say anything so okay 
And I'm not saying that didn't happen. That very well could have happened. What everybody needs to remember is it is a fever dream creating this, this, you know, this everybody's favorite show. It takes a lot to create. Absolutely. It. Yeah. And it happens. It, it all blends together because we're working so hard um, to, you know, to give it our all. So I that that very well sounds likely. I just don't remember it. Um, but what I do remember was a different conversation that I had with Jimbo. Where what was Heidi, that conversation? Heidi had been upset, and because Heidi and Jimbo were very close, they had a chat, and Heidi had said to Jimbo, you know, Candy's, I don't know what her words were, but something to the effect of what what was being uh, said in that in that workroom conversation. And so Jimbo said, have you heard that? And so Jimbo even asked me that. And even then, I didn't remember the exchange that happened between Candy and Heidi. But I said to Jimbo, I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't be surprised. And that's not that's not a, an undercut at all to Candy. Like, it's a competition. And Jimbo, yeah. Jimbo is fierce competition. So... The fact that, you know, that was something that Candy might have even been thinking about is is reasonable. And I don't think anybody uh, I don't hold it against her and I don't think anybody else should. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my honest involvement. I don't remember overhearing Candy and Heidi's conversation, but I do remember being asked about it by Jimbo. And that was my response to Jimbo. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't remember hearing that. I haven't heard that, but it's possible, you know? So that's the confusion that came over with when people were saying that your answers sort of like, it looked like you said one thing and then you. Yeah. And I, okay. I get it on, on screen. It looked like backtracking or backpedaling or whatever you want to call it. But there was genuine confusion okay. yeah. about, about what I had heard because I had been asked about this, but not in the way that I was being asked. I will, you know, Jimbo asked me, but I don't remember when Heidi asked me. I was like, wait, well, I I was there for this conversation. I really don't don't yeah. have it clarified. Like I said, we work so hard to make this show and things do blend together. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm turning 40 this year and I smoke a lot of pot. So my memory is not what it used to be. Auntie Alexis, smoking pot and spilling tea that we love. Yeah. This. <laughs> well, you, I just want to stress to, uh, you know, cause I do think it is super important. Like we all like hearing about these, these things that, that go on because it is interesting. It is a television show, but it's important to remember that these are people at the end of the day with real relationships. And I do want to stress that, you know, you did say that you and Heidi are completely good now. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about how you got to that place of being good with her and where that relationship stands? There wasn't, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of strife between us. I mean, we, I called her as soon as I could when, um, when we were done with production, yeah. um, just to make sure we were good. Because in the day that she left, if you really look at the footage that you saw, you can see my deep concern for yeah, her. Yeah, you're in that hallway too, yeah. Yes. And, and I just want to reiterate, I was a champion of Heidi's the whole time. And in the moments where she was feeling down, 
about being feeling overlooked in the competition, I encouraged her to play the long game because I saw her going all the way. So I, I don't have any doubt in my mind or my heart about my support and devotion to Heidi. And so I wasn't super concerned, but I just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And so we had a chat and it was fine. And Good. it's been that way since. And in fact, when when Heidi and I spoke last week, she even apologized for bringing me into it in that moment. So yeah, well, that's great. I'm I was I'm really glad to see that you know the sisterhood continues. That's always lovely to see, especially you know after some of the things that happen on the show. I think it's just so great to see that the real relationship is there and intact. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is. We got this amazing preview for next week at the end of this episode. Um, oh, boy. Of course, you are crying again, <laughs> which we love to see. Um, I, I just want to know. I know you can't spoil anything, but I just want to know if you can tease maybe with some mood words about what we can expect, because it looks like Mama Rue is coming in to I think she says straighten shit out. So it looks like it gets intense. It is super duper intense. I remember that day. It was an intense day. And just like I think I said to you when we sat down for uh, EW um, ahead of the season, that I think that this might be the most legendary season of the show ever in some ways. Um, I think the intensity of what we're all about to see unfold this week in the workroom <laughs> is uncharted territory on RuPaul's Drag Race. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, that makes me very it's excited. It's going to be a gag. That makes me extremely excited. I, I think that, you know, I always get excited when I see, not at your expense, but I like now that when we see an Alexis Michelle crying moment because it's become so iconic this season. I just want to, so I lied. There is one more thing now that I'm thinking of that I want to ask you. Um, we've seen a lot of people online saying that you deserve your Emmy, your Oscar, your Tony all at once for that. But those tears, I just want to confirm with you, like, were those tears sort of, you know, television or was it genuine emotion both after Monica's moment on episode one and then also after Heidi leaving? Because those seem to be the two things that fans are are talking about. I don't want to lose out on any acting jobs here by saying <laughs> I wish I could cry like that on cue, but I have in my life been unable to harness tears in that fashion. So um, I can tell you as an actor, I have many feelings just like Goldie Hawn. I have all of them um, and they are big. I feel very big. I'm an empath. So emotion comes over me quickly and easily. And um you know, and, you know, I'm just going to point out uh, in reference to the, the first Untucked, I can see that things did not, there was a lot of conversation that happened. So while it looks like that's coming right on top of a conversation, there was, there was more there. There was more there. So I will say, I think that moment was slightly out of context, but I'm also not going to apologize for having my feelings um nor should anybody ever um and monica monica knows this now and i think monica knew this then um that i was feeling for her i was feeling for any you know i was feeling for everybody in the bottom and 
it was a lot of overwhelming emotion because that day had gone particularly well for me on the first day. And I didn't know how it was going to go. I, it, you go in with every high hope, but you really don't know how it's going to go. And so it was a real mishmash of emotions on that first day. And I can tell you for what's coming, uh, for the tears that are coming, it was a lot of, of of different emotions and different triggers coming into play. It wasn't just one one thing. Um, so yeah, I I wish I were that good of an actor, but um, it, it, it's all real. Um, now I think what is what I will own, and I think this is part of what makes me me, is being someone who likes to perform and being someone who likes tapping into feeling. Um, my one of my goals for the season was don't filter yourself. Yeah. Whatever comes up, let it come up. So if I got sad, if I got angry, if I, you know, if I got horny, if I got hungry, whatever, I just tried to say to myself this time around, don't filter whatever happens, let it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is quite a whirlwind of emotions that we are uh seeing you process on screen and i cannot wait to see this moment that you have teased coming up i think that you know if it's anything in, like in line with what we've seen happen on the season so far it's going to be amazing because you have given us such good tv this season alexis and i really just want to commend you on the job that you've done not only in that regard but also in the challenges and on the runway i think you're you know the journey from season nine to now has been such an incredible one to watch. And I really thank you uh, for your candor and this interview and the one we did before. I think it's just been really lovely to see you back on our TVs. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you. And I have to say, we have to circle back. Remember, in our first interview for EW this season. Are you going to say I the said, serendipitous green moment? I said the green moment. And yes. I, I, you may have put it together that the 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 serendipitous moment was that Edina, but I actually what I couldn't tell you was that I wrote that lyric before knowing Adina was our special guest judge. Yes. So yeah. when RuPaul told us your special guest judge is, my head exploded because I was like, I can't believe I just wrote that lyric and I get to sing it to Adina Menzel. To the green lady herself, the other iconic green lady. I mean, this is yeah. just like wonderful. I, 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 I thank you for bringing that up because that actually was one of my, in my notes. And I completely when we got involved in the conversations about other things, I forgot to go back to that. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, You're welcome. But yeah, again, thank you so much, Alexis. It has been such a pleasure getting to talk with you today and always. So I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, my love. Well, James might be gone from the competition, but she still has an axe to grind. So, Christina, bring it over here and stay tuned for James Mansfield's interview in which she talks voting for Darian three times, her feelings on the judges placing her in the bottom for the rusical, and their comments about her Grace Jones look in the interview ahead. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast, and I am just as shocked as you are that I am here with my next guest who stole the show in VH1's The Bitch Who Stole Christmas before making an epic comeback that stole all of our collective hearts on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 8, truly. Please welcome the always lovely, always hilarious James Mansfield. Hey, James, how are you? Oh my God, Joey, I'm amazing. Now, what are we talking about? Like, what happened on the show? Because I, I didn't see it. Um, I don't, you're gonna have to tell me, James, because I think I'm too upset to speak about it. If you can pull this out of your memory, because it, this one hurts. It really, truly hurts to see you go. And I imagine that you were very surprised at this as well. Oh, I, I honestly have to say, as far as like critical blows that could have happened to one's egos, going home on a Joan Crawford challenge when your whole aesthetic is old Hollywood. Uh, can I swear? Yes, I'll you just can. Say, that was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I fully agree. And I, I mean, my mouth hit the floor when I found out that it was you. Um, and I do want to get into all of that. But there are some other things I think that happened this season that are worth talking about that involved you as well. Um, I want to start with last week's episode. We saw Heidi leaving the competition. Everybody seemed shocked that she left. But we we only heard about it very briefly at the top of this episode. And then it was sort of never mentioned again, even though the drama involved Jimbo, Candy, and Alexis, who are all still there. So I'm wondering how that sequence of events sort of impacted the vibe of the room after Heidi left. Were you all still sort of feeling it while filming this, the follow-up episode? Well, I I think it's safe to assume that it was a rather awkward feeling after everything was said and done. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't expect that to happen, but you know what? All Stars is full of twists and turns, and sometimes people just need to check out for a little bit. You know, she had to go to the, you know, her home of bewilderment. Did you say her home of bewilderment? Yeah, isn't that what they used to go to in like the 50s when like they get like housewives get exhausted and then they'd go away for a few months? I have never heard of that, but that is the first thing I am Googling when we are done with this interview. It's a home for the bewildered. I love that. Well, you were, speaking of bewildered, you were in the room doing Snatch Game with Kahana and Heidi as your wonderful Jennifer Coolidge, which I thought was so funny. Um, And obviously, Kahana had an issue with what Heidi was doing during the challenge. So could you sense in the room that there was maybe some tension brewing there? I mean, it it goes without saying that I think Kahana was the most comfortable with the challenge. And I do comedy, so like I can sometimes tell when like your co-star, like the person that's like working inside you, your partner, you can tell they're not really vibing with their material. Yeah. So, you know, if it's not really their strong suit, you don't pick on them as much. So I know I picked up on the fact that she wasn't having a very good time. So I went really easy on her. Um, some people, you know, when it comes to comedy, they, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> They'll have yeah. fun with it regardless. And I feel like to a certain extent, some people would look at it and think that she was being mean spirited. But honestly, I think she was just trying to make something happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's. I think that's the way it, it came off, at least in, in the show. And also in the workroom, too, later when Kahana brought this up, I think Heidi looked genuinely... Like, it's it's rare, I think, that the viewers see Heidi look that genuinely shaken. And Heidi looked very surprised when Kahana said this. So, yeah, I don't necessarily think it read as being malicious. But I, I just have to commend you, though, on your Jennifer Coolidge. I thought it was so funny. And it's really like it it exemplifies how you're supposed to do Snatch Game was you doing Jennifer and I think Jimbo, um, Jimbo's performance at Shirley Temple as well. Just amazing performances. I'm wondering if you heard from Jennifer Coolidge at all after this episode. I have not. And it's really devastating. But I understand she is 
a major star now, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. it's really strange to see your colleagues be so successful because she was my biggest <laughs> competition for the longest time. <laughs> and now I can't even say that confidently anymore. That is very true. But did you, cause this was, I mean, this was before I think white Lotus season two blew up and she became even bigger than she was already in the gay community. So had you, was that on weighing on your mind, I guess at all that like Jennifer, cause she has spoken a bit before about drag Queens, like, doing uh incest not incessant but like doing jennifer coolidge impressions a lot so was that sort of on your mind and did it give you a lot of was it did it feel like a lot of pressure doing jennifer coolidge i constantly compared to her all the time so like it was something i knew that could be in my wheelhouse and one of my bestest drag friends is juno birch who does like the pinnacle jennifer coolidge impersonation yes like jennifer coolidge is even like you know christened her the best impersonation so i just had fun with it because i'd never done snatch game before so no matter what, there's nothing really to compare my experience to. True. <laughs> well, I mean, but you, and it's, that's another reason why I just loved watching you so much on the season, because I think in terms of like total placement, you had the biggest improvement versus placement on your original season. I mean, going from being eliminated first to making it this far in the competition, it was just such a pleasure to see you do so well and prove that just because somebody goes home first, that obviously doesn't define their career or their worth as an artist. And it was just lovely to see what you did on this season. Um, And I do want to talk about another thing because I already talked to Darian about this in her exit interview. She pointed out that you voted for her three times throughout this, which I thought was, hey, it makes for good TV. And she suspected that you were also involved in the Jimbo slash Candy slash Heidi slash Lala Alliance. So I would like to get your take on this. Were Was James a secret member of any of these alliances? I wish I could say I was a part of a clique. I mean, I definitely like hung out with them, but I never discussed alliances because here's the thing, Joey. I'm not very good when it comes to playing games like this. <laughs> I didn't make any strong alliances or friendships while I was there, which is probably a big mistake to make while you're there. I didn't realize that was going to be such a huge part of the game. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, and... You did say this, I think, at the beginning of last week's episode, too. You said, you were like, well, I voted for Darian three times. It's like, it's it's about time she finally went. Um, Can you, like, why were you so, like, why did you vote for Darian three times in a row? Did you have something against Darian? I said it at the top of the second episode. I just wanted a closet space. (laughs) It was nothing personal. I had a lot of shit to put away. I love she that picked answer. Wrong spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it really was just about the closet space. Had it been anyone else, it would have been the same situation. Sorry. Well, I did. I I liked that after she said this completely unbeknownst to me, I had no idea she was going to say this on our podcast about you unfollowing people on, on Instagram. I was totally shocked when she said that. Um, can you tell me about the decision to refollow them? Because I saw that you posted about that on social media the other day about refollowing your sisters. Oh, it's Pride Month. Sister Pride. <laughs> it's what's it called? Rainbow washing? Yeah, it's Pride Month. We'll we'll talk to me about once the month is over. Once July 1st hits, we'll see. Then the tea will spill. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> they get unfollowed on July 1st. <laughs> That's how it works, right? I'm just, I'm just like, you know, Home Depot or Target or something. So no extra things to spill on, on refollowing. It was just the goodness of your heart in Pride Month. Well, how do you know I wasn't following to begin with? Well, I after Darian told me this, I did go on and search for it. <laughs> them and your followers and i was like oh my god darian was telling the truth oh my goodness joey you messy queen well i had is this what journalism is now is this where we're at checking my facts yes that's what journalism is i mean that's very rare in this day and age (laughs) it really is it really is but 
I speaking of the facts, let's get to the rusical because I think uh, it, it, this has been happening a lot this season where I think queens are landing in the bottom and I'm kind of scratching my head because I thought you did really well in the rusical. I thought you were really funny. I thought that your look as Joan was very camp and fun. And I, like I said, I was just kind of scratching my head because it was it was odd to me that how somebody in, at least in the judge's eyes, can go from like stealing the show in the bitch who stole Christmas and how good you were in that to like putting you in the bottom for the rusical. Like it just didn't add up to me. So how did you feel about the judges placing you in the bottom? What was going through your mind in that moment? Well, here's the tea, Jill. You want some tea? I'm going to give it to you. Um, here's something that no one knows that I will give to you exclusively. Okay. Um, while I was there, I actually woke up that morning with the worst fever in the world. I was bedridden. I couldn't oh, get out no. of bed. So I come up to the I come to the runway the next day. The challenge has already happened, and I'm watching everything unfold. And I don't know what I think they used AI. That's what I think it is. They digitally put me inside the episode, and I just showed up and was shocked to learn I was in the bottom. James, were you actually sick that day, or were you what? Were you actually sick? Look, at, I'm trying to spill my guts to you, and look at this. You're questioning me. <laughs> You're questioning the integrity of my answer, Joey. This is that the hurts. AI apocalypse on Rupert's Drag Race All-Stars 8. I mean, it happened to you with the episode I was in the bottom for the comedy challenge. You know how AI is when they write jokes. Yes. I can't believe we didn't pick up on this earlier. This is so this is this you is didn't not... see how weird my hands looked. I'm telling you. So this is okay. It's a conspiracy. E- EW exclusive. James was replaced by an AI creation. <laughs> exactly. Look, they're going to run with that. Okay. Honestly, that might be what turns people on AI. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Um, but truly though, I do like, you know, as a, as a person behind the artist, uh, that must've been hard for you to, to land in the bottom for this because they did say throughout the episode that it was like, they were splitting hairs. It wasn't because necessarily anybody did poorly. Um, it was just like separating the A pluses from the A minuses. So what did that sort of do to your spirit? I guess you could say when you, when you landed in the bottom. Well, I left there knowing it was entirely the judge's fault. If that's, that's like a good way to like, look at it, you know, it's like, yeah, they're the ones that made the decision. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they could have just not put me there. That's true. That's honestly all you can walk away with at the end of the day. It didn't really rub off on my integrity at all. I still left there thinking I was just as great as I was. But, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes you go home on a goddamn Joan Crawford challenge. I know, I know, I know. Did you think that in performing in the moment, were you kind of keeping your eye on anybody else and thinking, okay, maybe that person is in the bottom over you? Oh, absolutely not. Because, like... I was completely committed to just embodying Joan as much as possible, like doing mm-hmm. the mannerisms. Cause like I watched all the movies yeah, and I knew how she acted and how she moved around and like the faces she would make and like that weird smile where she wouldn't show any teeth. It was just big mm-hmm. old pet rock <laughs> lips. Yeah. Like I was really having fun with it and just enjoying every moment of it, which is, you know, I hoped it translated, but apparently they just weren't seeing it that day. But that's okay. Honestly, when I left, I thought, you know what? I went home on Joan Crawford challenge. That hurts. But at least it wasn't a Betty Davis challenge or like a, a Jane Mansfield <laughs> challenge or something that really, really stuck in my craw and hurt my feelings. I don't like Joan Crawford that much. Yes. Well, I mean, she. so we are officially putting Betty Davis over Joan. Oh, always. Okay. Yes. No, I, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, Betty's interviews, especially later in life, have you seen, oh my God, her interviews. Oh, it's like a are... roller coaster, honestly. Joan Crawford, you can tell like she was so rigid and just on point all the time, like nothing could ever go wrong. Where Betty right. was like fun. 
Oh, she didn't give a fuck. Betty was just saying whatever she wanted to in interviews. It was great. And if you wanted her to talk crap about somebody, she would talk crap. It was great. She would absolutely do it. Yes. I do want to talk about the runway too, um, because this is another thing that it seems like a difficult challenge. I mean, to embody Grace Jones, it just seems like a difficult challenge for anybody. Uh, but the judges did sort of read your outfit and the proportions. So I'm just wondering if there was more to the story there about how this look came together. Well, to be fair, like this is the last look my designer delivered to me. Like we didn't have time to do a fitting. So like I brought I brought it to Drag Race with me knowing like there's a possibility the fitting could be off. And like it was supposed to fit my old measurements. And while I was there, I was losing weight because I just wouldn't eat. I was surviving off a slim fast like stuff and stuff like that. Cause like you can't eat in a corset. Yeah. It's gonna come right back up. So like that's honestly where it was. And I was being told I should have like, you know. I should have sewn it on my free time or like did fittings. And here's the thing. We were doing a musical. There was so much involved in that. The last thing on my mind after coming home exhausted was let me whip out the sewing machine and fix this crotch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I, I totally get that. It's a lot of work. And I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about you, you said that you were losing weight as well, because I think you said that last week too, right? On the runway with the pink dress. Yeah. Like I promise you I was fatter when I came there, but like, <laughs> Here's the thing. I stand by what I said when they read my vaginal area, that having a powerful pussy is the most Grace Jones thing of all. (laughs) That is very true. That is the spirit of Grace right there. (laughs) She'd be happy about that, you know? She would. A proud proud vaginal area. (laughs) Tough. Built for tough. We'll have to reach out to her for comment on that. (laughs) Um... So there's another thing here that you pointed out in a confessional in this episode, because Kahana was in the bottom for, I think this was her third time. This was your second time. Um, And you pointed out that everybody had just unanimously voted for Kahana to leave the episode prior. So when it was revealed that Candy had chosen your lipstick um, after she won the lip sync, what was running through your mind? Like, was it truly a shock to you that, that you were leaving? Honestly, no. Like when I sat down and had my, you know, plead to stay with Candy. Yeah. She had mentioned several times that like Kahana is a very good friend of hers. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very, very hard for her to make this decision tonight. And Kahana is a very good friend of hers. Like she mentioned that every sentence. So yeah. it was kind of running through, like you could see her the teletyping through her eyes. Just like, I am packing your bags right now. Aww. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. Like I can honestly understand picking your friend. That's fine. You know, mm-hmm. that's, how, that's how the game is sometimes. Yeah. If I was in the same circumstance, I probably would have sent a friend home because, you know, you can always make new friends. <laughs> yes, that's true. We're speaking into existence that Jennifer Coolidge is going to be your friend after this. <laughs> um, I promise so, I won't throw you away, Jen. <laughs> um, did you, so did you, there was no sort of like hard feelings or anything like you, you sort of made peace with it with Candy pretty soon after. Oh, I made peace for the second it happened. Like, I wasn't mad about anything, honestly, because, like, that's the way it works. Like, you signed up for this. You know how the game is played. And there's a possibility that they're not going to want you to stay. And you can't hold it personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. I mean, people always say that, like, but don't you regret? Don't you, like, resent them for dashing your dreams? My dreams were never dashed. Okay? I'm not going to stop dreaming. Mm -hmm. You just got to alter it a little bit. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that this is, you know, this is just another mark in the very long career that you're going to have and that you have proven that you can do after your original run on the show. So I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, speaking of which, though, we have the Fame Games competition going on. So we have not seen the last of you on All Stars 8 yet. Um, what can you tease about your runway package that we'll see coming up um, for the remaining episodes? Oh, it is absolutely stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of fun with my runways this season. What I vowed when I came to the drag race was I'm going to show so many different aspects of myself. And I'm never going to bend myself into an area where you cannot recognize me and you don't know instantaneously that this is me and my style. Because I feel like a lot of trouble people run into is that they're just kind of wearing clothes or they're wearing someone else's design, but you Mm -hmm. don't really see them. So I wanted to make sure everything I wore really, really resonated with me and showed off my personality. And that's honestly one of the things I'm most proud of about this whole experience. It's like, I really, really love my package. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. dirty. I was, I knew you were going to, I was, I was pausing and waiting for you to say it because I didn't want to be the one to say it. Oh, you dirty bird. My gosh. <laughs> what has become of this? This is entertainment weekly, Joey. I know, I know. I'm, I'm devolving into tabloid territory. James, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, just being so lovely throughout this whole process. Um, I, it was so great to see you back on TV, and I cannot wait to see what you do after the show. Oh, sure. One more thank you to something for me, Joey. I just, I know I gave you a hard time last time we interviewed each other. Are you wearing that shirt still? And if you are, can you just like bang your microphone against it so it's like ASMR? <laughs> you remembered. I was hoping you wouldn't, but you did. I should have expected nothing less from you, James. That, <laughs> that I burned that shirt afterwards. So rest oh, assured. That poor environment. It is, is that now... what New York City is like that now? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I'm to blame. That shirt is now in the heavens with Miss Joan. So well, you know, it's a beautiful shade of Topaz, New York, now, thanks to you. And that's <laughs> that's something you should be proud of. That's a designer's moment. I'll take it. I I am very proud of it. Thank you so much. Um, As always, for your time and your shade, James, it is nothing but enjoyable. Oh, thank you, Joey. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Unfortunately, Jillian Closet and I have been intercepted by Michelle Visage, and we've been placed back to work scrubbing the workroom floor. Hopefully, we won't still be down here next week, but you should rate and subscribe to this podcast to find out when our next episode drops with another interview with an All-Stars 8 queen. Until then, three, two, one. Have a blessed night. Wow. It was beautiful. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh. An Italian mandolin. Like... Ooh.